0: The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit fef.law.
1: Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we will review Austin's big win over LAFC on Friday night. We will preview this week's upcoming matches versus Portland and Nashville, and we'll cover a few other pieces of Austin FC news. My name is Landon Cottam, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley.
0: Hey everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley, and you know we do this show week after week, and sometimes sometimes we're great, and sometimes we're okay, and I never know like if one week will be better, one recording will will be better than the one before it. But I feel pretty confident in saying that the recording tonight will be a higher quality recording than whatever we did on Friday. How do you? you, (laughs) Would you agree with that? I
1: think so. So yeah, if um, any of you are listening to this, you have at least noticed that there is a an episode dropped over the weekend. And that was just the audio pulled from the live reaction show that we did at hop squad as part of the strikers live coverage of the LAFC match day. Um, We had both had a few varying numbers of beers. I think you may be a few more than me. (laughs) Probably. Yes. (laughs) Um, It was also very loud in there. Uh, we were on camera, but there were no monitors or uh, headphones, and so we were kind of just like staring into a ring light and could hear Brad Tillery yelling about the Seattle Portland game in the background, and so it was very distracting. But it ended up being a lot of fun, and uh, the mayor ended up showing up for whatever reason and came on our show for a little bit.
0: Yeah, that was that was nice to nice to have him on. We got to yeah. ask him about. Uh owning the Mayor Adler eating a hot dog pen, which he says he does have. I think it was probably the biggest piece of news we broke. And I mean, I would love to know what people thought about it overall, because that was that was fun. I would do that again. Wouldn't you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, Yeah. If you watch the video one or if you just listen to the audio, let us know what you thought. I could imagine some people found it annoying, but (laughs) we had a lot of fun. So if it's something you might be interested in, maybe we can try to do something like that again in the future.
0: Yeah. And, and Jessica Luther found it delightful and she's like way smarter than either one of us. So I feel like we must, maybe we're on to something then.
1: That's all I needed. I was, I was nervous about publishing the audio and Jessica Luther told me that told us that she loved it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. It's fine. That's good enough for me. All right, let's jump into this match, Jeremiah. So Austin FC beat LAFC four to one in a dominating
0: performance on Friday night. Yeah. I, I said this maybe four times on this, on the 20 minutes on the show but when I thought about like how what my wildest would dreams would be about how this would turn out like for me a 3-2 win where we scored a goal like 75 minutes in that was the third was as good as it could go so to see them I mean to dominate really almost from start to finish I mean if, even though we picked up one goal in the first half and sort of poured it on early in the second but I felt like Austin was the more aggressive squad and you know on the front foot the whole night Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think
1: halftime came, and I I was still a little bit nervous just because it was just one goal, and we've seen Austin give up goals at home. Um, But watching the match back, LAFC was never really in this game. I I think their first shot on goal was in the 60th minute, which Stuver saved that one. The ball falls back to Arango, and Arango finishes it. So really their first shot on goal was their goal when they're already down by four, uh, by four. And so it's, yeah, like looking at that and just kind of watching it back without all of the nerves involved, Austin really did just play their game and, and really dominated LAFC. I heard Ben Olson and, uh, Taylor Twellman both said this on the broadcast or like hinted at this on the broadcast and a few other national voices on Twitter saying something about how Austin FC, like changed their game to be at LAFC or learned how to win differently or something like that. So on the rewatch, I was really watching to see if, if Austin actually played any differently than they have been recently. My answer was no. I asked a few other people. I talked to Kevin Morris, some other, uh, some other people that who's like soccer opinions I, I really trust. And they're like, I saw very few differences to this game, um between this game and uh, and other recent games that Austin FC has played i think um you have to give credit to Josh Wolf for that for for backing his players not tinkering too much and really believing that they could play their game against LAFC and i credit to the players as well for executing against that plan and then
0: outplaying and outworking LAFC on the night yeah and for whatever reason we've talked about how they have this tendency to get down early um and if if those things had happened again, it obviously would have been a very different outcome, but the intensity was there, like the, um, they were just sharp, right? They were just the way they were playing. They were sharp and crisp. And so as our favorite quote is, you know, goals change games. Like we, we picked up the goal and we didn't give up the two goals that left us scrambling and trying to do something different. Um, and I wish we did that every time at home. I don't know exactly why it didn't work, but yeah, I think it was definitely just sticking to the game plan and sticking to the fundamentals and just giving it all and executing on the all the things that Austin can do, and first, we we were talking before about like player notes and like my whole player notes section is like this guy was good and this guy was good and this like it's almost not worth talking about because <laughs> everybody was so so on top of their game and we'll get to it, but it was just a stellar performance all night long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want to jump into some of the goals? Let's let's well let's um. Did you? I was gonna t- just briefly touch on the lineup. Um. We. Oh yeah. Or the roster overall, so like the lineup is the same lineup that we've had for several matches in a row now, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know how many it is, but I want to say it's
1: at least that's the fourth game in in
0: a row. I think with the same eleven, maybe longer than that. And then I was happy to see Valencia back and Valencia get action. Were you surprised to not see Rigoni, or had we kind of given up on that by the time we got to Friday? I mean,
1: I was hoping for it, but I wasn't necessarily surprised that that we didn't see it. Um,
0: yeah. I, I'm not super surprised. And then we also did not get any Roddy Redis. Now I don't even remember. He wasn't in the squad Correct. either, was yeah.
1: he? Be- Caroso wasn't in the squad. i uh, sorry. Redis wasn't in the squad. Caroso replaced him. And so uh, I, and then there was one other change. Gta was in. We and had both Jite, both Jite
0: and Huson were on the bench. Oh yeah. Keller.
1: So it was Keller out, Redis out, Jite and Coroso in. So now let's uh
0: let's let's go sorry, let's go on to the first goal. Uh
1: and we, we should talk about LA's yeah. starting
0: 11 as well. So Gareth oh, yeah, Bale, we cut his well, first start. That one was important. I was gonna say, and we also kind of forgot about a guy that was out on a red card last week, which we should probably mention that made a difference.
1: Yeah, Ilya Sanchez, their uh their six was out on a red, which I did not realize whenever we previewed the game last last week, but um probably made a pretty big difference in this game. Uh so Gareth Bale gets his first start. So the front 3 was Bale, Arango and Vela. Uh Kellen Acosta moved back to the 6 in place of Ilie. And they brought in Latif Blessing to play as one of those dual 8s in front of him. And then the back line was Hollingshead, Mario Segura and Palacios, uh, which is for the most part their their first choice. They've been rotating all these positions out to some degree, but um but not a ton of surprises there other than Maybe talking about seeing if we'd see Chiellini play, he ended up coming on later, but um, I think Bale was kind of like the the headline starter there because it it was his first start, correct? It was his first start, yep. Um, so the first goal comes in the 31st minute. So Drucy takes the ball off of Mario, starts dribbling at Segura. Uh, Segura just comes at him with a forearm. Hit. I think he kind of meant to throw this forearm into his chest, but it slides off of him, and he makes really strong contact with Driuzzi's jaw. And this was the first, I think, probably the first big grievance that Austin had with the uh, with the referee in this game. Um, but it ends up leading to the free kick,
0: which Diego Fugundes takes, and it was a beauty of a free kick. Yeah, how many times in a row did you watch that? I mean I was just I could never stop. Every time I see it on uh you know on Twitter or whatever, like I keep watching it again because it was just it was as close to the wall as you can get without, you know, without without hitting a player and it was near the top of the box and like the, the keeper even kind of guessed right, right? I mean he was Yeah, he, I he was mean, going toward the ball, he just couldn't get to it.
1: He the way the way that Kripo, the keeper, set up that wall, he was saying in order to score, you need to hit it right here. And I'm gonna bet that you can't. And so Diego Fuguda sticks out his hand and shakes Kripo's hand and says, All right, I'll take that bet. And it was, yeah, it's the the we talked about this on the live show the other night, but the technique to hit it with enough pace to beat the keeper, but also not hitting it too hard and getting enough bend on it for it to go up and over the wall and get back down and under the crossbar. Uh, it was it was fantastic, and yeah, I not the not the only beautiful goal in this game, but uh, I think this one. Last I checked, this goal was winning for MLS's goal of the week on the Twitter poll,
0: and it, and it deserves it for sure. It was it was a very beautiful goal.
1: Um, not long after that is when the uh, the big fight breaks out <laughs> on the sideline. So yes, um, Drewsi plays his. Uh, contractually obliged Rabona during the game. <laughs> uh, over the top, Maxi's chasing it down. The ball was pretty much gone. And so Murillo was, was the defender on that side. He could have just kept his body in between the ball and Aruti. But instead, as Aruti approaches, uh, he drops his shoulder and tries to throw Aruti into the Lexus Club. And Aruti goes up and gets in his
0: face, maybe
1: touches his foot with his I foot was gonna, a little I bit I was <laughs> going to ask
0: about that cuz yeah he went down like he had been shot and I did hear some people say that he think there was there's like a a foot to foot contact but you never got I never really saw a good angle um in, on the replay to see exactly what happened
1: Yeah it like it looked like maybe he stepped on his heel a little bit but yeah Mario goes down like he's about to die um Kripo comes over and gets in Aruti's face Diego goes in on Crippo and then you have LAFC subs and half of both teams just add it on the sideline there. Uh, Josh Wolf said after the game that he's like, I don't mind that. Like, I'm okay with that. Go, go back your, back your teammates. Um, use that energy in the game and, and use that fight to, to your advantage essentially, which I, I kind of like that take on it. Like whatever, whatever gets you fired up and playing hard. Let's take, we'll l- take it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised to hear that of, the, of a coach that's like usually so disciplined, but maybe that was what they needed to do in the moment. Um, so that ended with what Kerpo, Fagundes, and Aruti all three ended up with yellow cards out of that, and it worried me a little bit because it because you talked about the play before, like that was a very like emotional, physical, you know, chippy kind of game, and I was a, I was kind of kind of waiting for somebody to pick up a red uh, out of yeah. that. Or, not a red but a second yellow um, well, after if- that
1: they reviewed that whole sequence as well. Cause the play was delayed for a bit as they were reviewing all of that for a red card. So I think they were looking to see if there were any punches thrown or any, uh, any overly aggressive actions after looking at it all. And like, after I watched it as well, I didn't see anybody doing anything crazy in there. It was mostly the, the standard just kind of like pushing and holding people back that you see in soccer games. But, um, i was I was also quite scared that there's gonna be a red card, but we we also talked about this in the live show the other night, but i I feel like this ref did a really poor job of managing this game, and I think this was a good example of this. He was really inconsistent. he like let some like wrestling moves go by with no call at all and then called some pretty soft fouls at times as well. I think this is a moment where. That's like Mario's action, like him dropping a shoulder into a ruti like that. It's unnecessary, like it's unnecessarily aggressive. And when you don't call stuff like that, it's only going to escalate. And if it didn't happen right then, it was going to escalate later on in the game. And so, like, I, I think this is just a moment where I don't know. I, I think he could have managed this whole game better in, in both ways as well. Not to mention a penalty shout in the seventeenth minute where Ryan Hollingshead just runs right through Dreusi. And I don't know if you remember this. There's like a ball a ball into the box. And Dreusi's running into the box. And Hollingshead just comes from behind. And there's no like Dreuse like didn't even know it was happening to dive because of it like he gets hit out of nowhere from behind in the box and the ref doesn't call anything they don't review it they don't do anything I, that was a clear penalty in my eyes and there's a few pretty egregious calls throughout the game that um that I think they missed and like I just I don't know like th- this game kind of brought into question like I thought I understood how the whole VAR uh VAR process worked and this game like brought up some questions is like, do you not like when you see that, do you not? I, I don't understand how you don't get the the ref to look at it.
0: Yeah. Now, the, I don't I didn't really catch that when it was going on live, but I did see uh, a lot of feedback on Twitter and in Slack about it. And if you compare poor Ethan Finley's like two um, penalty shots over the last uh, couple of weeks to, to that collision, you know, it was every it seemed like every bit is obvious is what we've seen called against us the last couple weeks
1: yeah i mean luckily later on in the game i think it's like the 70th minute uh chicho arango springs on, on a breakaway and as he's about to shoot gabrielson is like shoulder to shoulder with him and arango puts his hand out on gabrielson which i think was the saving grace here but gabrielson as he like Starts to slide to try to block the shot, grabs Arango's hand and pulls him off balance a little bit, and Arango shoots off balance and hits the post instead of it going in. I think that should have been a penalty as well, <laughs> but I guess like as far as penalty calls go, he was calling that consistently at least, even if it was wrong.
0: So it's just bad, just bad all the way around, but equally yeah. bad for both sides.
1: Uh, but not long after halftime. Is when Austin's second goal comes. So, Juicy um, was fouled in the attacking half. It's a little bit outside of shooting distance, probably. This is a thing that I've noticed in in recent games. Is on set pieces, they've been using Julio Cascante as kind of the target man on these set pieces. A lot of times, just aiming it at his head and trying to flick it across into like a danger area. And so, sometimes before a set piece is taken, you'll see Cascante walk out to where the ball is. You'll see guys like kind of deciding who's going to take the kick sometimes. Uh, Fagundes has been taking pretty much all of the set pieces lately. And so it'll be Cascante and Fagundes standing out there as if they're trying to decide who's going to take it. But really, they're looking at what the defense is giving them and deciding like, okay, where's my target going to be? Julio, you go stand here. This is where I'm going to try to put it on your head. And I, that's like, I think it's an interesting strategy, but it's been quite effective. Like more times than not, it gets either close to or on Julio's head. And he's depending on the the defense and how, how hard a challenge comes in, he doesn't always get into, um, a dangerous spot, but that's kind of expected on set pieces. It's a pretty low probability game, but if you can find his head as consistently as they do, it's a, not a bad, uh, not a bad strategy. So they end up putting it into like trying to hit Julio. Uh, it's a little bit behind and Bale ends up heading it out of the box. It falls to Lima at the top of the box. He kind of steps up and as Mario is closing him down, he kind of feigns across and then pushes the ball in behind Mario, and into this really dangerous spot. And so he, as he gets into the box, he just kind of chips it into the mixer where, where he has, I don't know, four, five, six Austin FC players waiting there. And I think he was trying to get it a little bit deeper, but Aruti's able to get his head on it early and just glances it far post and into the goal. And uh it a it was a beautiful header, a really, really nice, nicely taken header by Aruti. But then the celebration uh was really good. I didn't I noticed like he ran over to the sideline, and celebrated, but then Josh Wolf talks about this in the post-game press conference about why this celebration and why they are all laughing and kind of making a big deal out of the celebration. Apparently it's a big inside joke in the team that like Maxi never even tries to score headers. And so as he runs over to the sideline, he's hugging all the coaches
0: and all the players come up and they're just like slapping him in the back of the head. <laughs> Yeah, that was so good to see. You don't see a lot of uh, Nick assisted by Nick Lima on the on the on the score sheet usually. I just saw, I think maybe in the same uh, striker article, like Lima is. I think Lima and Stu were the only people like in the regular lineup not to score. But it's good to see him getting involved offensively, and like what an incredible night defensively he had, along with Julio Gascante and shutting down Gareth Bale.
1: He was so good on both sides of the ball. Like, um, yeah him and him and Julio didn't let Bale do anything. Really? Uh, and then Nick Lima, sometimes there's some games where he looks, uh, looks nervous and kind of clumsy on the ball. Friday night was not that, uh, he looked very confident, did some really nice, just like those little, like touching it past a player and, and carrying the ball into space. Or like he did with Mario on that goal. He did that to bail a few times as bail was pressuring him. Um, some really good passes, really good, uh, dribbling sequences, but, uh, he, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a moment when Nick Lima didn't do a great job. I think there's one late on in the game where the ball is just like sitting in the box. And I think everybody thinks there should have been a whistle blown. Uh, and it ends ends up leading to a pretty dangerous moment for LAFC just because Austin players are too tired to take two steps and kick a ball out of bounds. <laughs> but, uh,
0: other than that, like he was fantastic. So kind of the the next goal that I I think just about puts the game not in doubt comes just a few minutes after that. I mean, Austin's offensive strike after the uh, half is like uh, really strung together, right? It was over the course of 15 minutes or something. They managed to score all three goals. The second one is Aruti again. Yeah, so uh, Austin is
1: building it up, and I think we take the ball off of them and try to, to break, and then we lose the ball. And as they're pushing back the other way... Maxi does something that he does a lot. And this is one of the reasons why he is such a valuable part of this team, even when he's not scoring, is because he does stuff like this. So he works back and is pressuring uh, Mendez, who has come into the game at this point at the six. He came in at halftime, I believe, for uh, Latif Blessing and was playing a little bit deeper, trying to manage the midfield a bit more for LAFC. But um, Maxi pokes the ball away from Mendez and it falls to Ring. Ring plays it forward to Fagundes. Uh, and at that point they've broken that line and everyone's turned and running towards the box. And so Fagundes pushes the ball forward and Maxi's making a run into the box in behind. And Diego plays a really clever through ball. That's just kind of like bouncing. It had to be a little bit slow just because of where Maxi was and where the run was going. Hollingshead slides to try to stop it and just like, just misses it. And there's, uh, a defender in the box, who is it that he's, uh, Eddie Segura? Um, but Maxi had gotten to the far side of him and kind of bodies up to Segura. And so when the ball squirts through, Maxi has all the leverage to run onto the ball. And, and Segura can't even really take a step until Maxi's two or three steps away. Kripo comes out because it's just him and Maxi at that point. Maxi takes a really nice little touch past him, is running towards the touchline and hits it with his left foot. Um, it ends up going in. I'm pretty sure that Palacios touches this ball on the way in. And I'm not 100% sure that that ball was actually going in before Palacios touched it.
0: So do you think that's one we might see come back uh, when they do the midweek review on own goals? Or do you think it was, I don't think there's not officially one,
1: any evidence to say that it would or wouldn't have gone in. Um, I watched all the angles that exist. I think the, most telling one is there's the camera in the goal and he hits it with his left foot from that left side. And there's some spin on the ball. I really think it was going to hit the far post. I don't know which way it was going to bounce off of that post, whether it would have bounced in or back out. Um, I think Finley was on that far side anyway, and maybe would have been able to put it in, but uh, Palacios, helps him out and gets a little touch on the ball anyway and, and make sure that it goes in. So thanks to him. I was,
0: yeah. Really appreciate the assist there. So this is 3-0. <laughs> um then Sebastian Dragusi makes it four because we and we can't have a game without a Dragusi goal. So it was good to see that again. This one is 19th of the year? Yep. 19.
1: And yeah, if you're talking about like golden boot by I think he's three goals ahead of second place. I think Mukhtar has caught up to him as far as overall goal contributions. I think they're even on uh, overall. Um, so that's going to be a fun race as, as the kind of the home stretch comes in in the season. But watching this, I, I I knew this was a good finish and I knew there was some good passes in it, but watching this one back, this was an amazing sequence listeners go back and watch this play a million times and watch each individual player all the way through because it's really really good uh there's if you go all the way all the way back juicy actually slides to save a ball from going out of bounds and plays it back into uh Gallagher Gallagher finds Ring Drucey's there kind of ready for a pass and there's two defenders pushing up on him Ring does really well to split those two defenders and kind of chips it over to Diego in space behind, and then from there it's on. And this is a moment where, like, you could see Diego turn and not have anywhere to play, but because Drusy is Drusy and is always in the right spot, as soon as Ring plays that ball, Drusy sprinting up that left touchline, and so by the time Diego receives it and turns around, he's got Drusy running up on onto the side of him, uh. I think this was intentional. I don't know if it was or not, but Diego plays kind of like, he, instead of trying to play into the path of Drusi, he plays it a little bit behind him. And so Drusi receives it and stops and kind of makes defenders make a decision to turn. And as the the defender that was marking Drusi turns, Diego continues that run and Drusi is able to turn and play it into him. As Diego receives it, he slows down and turns and makes the defender stop. Drucy has also continued his run into the box. And so Diego does the exact same thing, returns the favor and gives the ball to him. Um, Drucy receives it in the box, has Mario on his back, and Mario kind of grabs him. And is able to just spin off of it, turn, hit it on his second touch. So he receives it with one touch, like sets it up perfectly for himself to where he just has to turn his body and hit it and it's from a really tight angle, but he just hits it perfectly and pretty much the only spot that he could have to beat Cripo there. And it just skips past uh, Kripo and sneaks into the inside the far post, but all the way through, man, it was really good. And then if you watch the backside, Finley and Aruti are doing a good job of kind of like keeping space and keeping defenders honest on that backside so they couldn't
0: cheat over. So let's, I think this is a good point to talk about two things that are sort of game themes. Um, one last week, you know, you mentioned you were talking about maybe Rigoni being able to individually create and like the difference between system goals and individual goals. And I feel like Juicy was beautiful, but this seems like very much a system goal, right? This is like the very best of Wolfball with the way everybody played and moved.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think this is this is what you want it to be like because I think there's a the danger of playing this kind of system like this positional play system is that it can become uh, predictable and kind of mechanical. This is where you want them to understand where those positions are, but then be able to express themselves and be creative and, and react to moments. And you see that several times through the sequence. So they're still holding their shape. They're moving in the spaces that they're supposed to be in, but it's still also ad-libbed and, uh And creative, and so I think it's like a combination of the two. It is within the system, but several very uh very good individual performances within the system as well, so that is like the ideal of it definitely
0: and then yeah that's and then the other thing is this was uh when he takes his shot, it's a point zero nine on x goal, and we talked a little bit before the show started about maybe how dumb x goal is and doesn't like. <laughs> sometimes respect you know the ability of the finisher i feel like this this goal itself is sort of the perfect example of it being a very a useful but very imperfect stat
1: yeah so chris bills actually wrote an article and i think it's talking about how expected goals is austin fc's last hater or something like that and you like we were talking about this a little bit before the show started tell us tell us your like takeaways from that i guess
0: so yeah, this in this article it talks about one of the deceiving things about expected goals is the algorithm is fairly limited. You're looking at the numbers of goals that could be expected to score to be scored based upon where and how a shot was taken. So like it's basically location, um, type of shot, and those are the main variables. And it does not at all factor in the skill of the individual taking the shot, which obviously if Sebastian Dariusi and Roddy Red is in the same place and take the same shot, like one of them is going to score more often than the other, but X is going to give them the same basically the same opportunity to score. So I think that's also why you see that Drew has so overperformed his X goals this year. Cause he's just like really damn skillful.
1: Yeah, you're right. Like XG, it could it doesn't care if it's Sebastian Drew or, uh, Sebastian, the, the crab from the little mermaid, like, and it doesn't matter if Sebastian juicy could be standing, facing away from goal and back heel it in with his left foot. Like, that's the same number no matter what. It doesn't account for any of that. It's just where he was, what did he hit it with. And so, yeah, It, it Chris Bills points out in, in this article that on that free kick earlier, everyone in Austin knew, like, no, Diego can score this. We've seen him do it. But the numbers don't know that. The numbers just say, this is a pretty hard shot. I'm going to give it a low number. And same for Giuse. like, Yeah, it's hard, but this is Sebastian Vucey. He's scored a lot of these and will score a lot more of them. And I think, yeah, that's just the thing that the the algorithm doesn't account for. Um, So that was the fourth. Game is kind of over after that. I think in looking at numbers being deceiving, if you look at LAFCs, XG, all of their – like the game state – uh, game flow charts that come out after the games, all of their numbers are after this point. And so um, if you look at the final XG count, LAFC ended up with higher XG, I think with more possession, maybe. Yes, um, more possession, 52 to 48 in possession. Um, But a lot of, like I said, a lot of this came after this point. And so also another way those numbers are deceiving, they end up getting some pretty dangerous moments, in, including... Uh, the goal in the 61st the sixty-first minute, uh, which is right after they made subs. And so they put in uh, Opoku for, did he come in for bail? Yeah, Opoku comes in for bail in the 60th minute. They score their first goal in the 61st minute. And so they almost instantly look more dangerous whenever they make some of these changes. On this goal, again, this is another one where I don't understand how they don't go to the VAR, the VAR doesn't tell this ref, like you have to look at this again. Like you have to look at it because there's an obvious foul in this buildup. So Arango is making a run into the box. And as the ball is played in, he knows the ball is behind him. And what he does at this point is just leaves his feet and turns himself into like a human projectile and takes Ruben Gabrielson out, just knocks him to the ground by throwing his body into him. And so, it falls to Cifuentes in the box. Cifuentes shoots. Stuver saves it, but uh, Arango is able to react really quickly. Gets up and finishes uh, finishes the rebound. And so, a really good finish by Arango there. But it almost certainly should have been called a foul. And again, I don't I don't understand how the VAR sees that and says,
0: "Yep, that's fine. No need to look at that again." Well, do you, know, you want to talk about Gareth Bale's game here? Seems like a good point since he's gone out and like yeah. really are you you i guess you can share what you what you said on the 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 live show and then i'll add a little bit to it i think
1: yeah so i think there was um a theme of of just LAFC not fighting as much as Austin FC did like the i as the kids say Austin FC had that dog in them yes, and yeah, the the ex dog was way in Austin's <laughs> favor uh, LAFC did not. So Bale and Vela both playing wide left and wide, right. They were not stretching the back line. Uh, Gareth Bale. I don't know if you know this, he's very fast, but you're only fast when you're running. Right. And he just wasn't always doing that. And so Arango was the only one running in behind when sometimes he would get onto the end of a longer ball, but he was alone. And so we were able to put it out, uh, several times, LAFC would have a player forward on the counter, nobody arriving. And then as you turn the ball over, if you don't have wide runners there, like as Austin pulls, pulls the, turns the ball over. If you don't have anybody pressuring high, then the fullbacks were able to pinch inside. And so there's a few times where Lima or Gallagher would be able to just step inside and kill a counterattack because Bale and Vela were not up there pressuring them. And we're not, Ready and willing to make that run on the counter, and so like I honestly believe that if Opoku starts this game, that it is a much better game and a closer game than what it ended up being. But um, I, I another thing that this I mentioned this moment in the live show the other night, but there's a moment where a through ball gets played and it's going to be it's going out of bounds, but it's one of those where the offensive player could go and fight for it, and the def- defensive player often just kind of like try to like escort the ball out of bounds by maybe like blocking out the offensive player. Um, Bale and Lima kind of go shoulder to shoulder once. And as the ball is getting closer, Bale just pulls out of it and says, no, I'm good. You you can just have it. And I think that's just exemplifies his night. Like I'm going to turn it on a couple of times and try to do something, but really I'm just trying not to get hurt before the world cup. That's not, I'm not here to make your team win games. I'm here for me to stay fit until the world cup happens.
0: Yeah. I saw a little bit of that too. And it's like the effect it had on Vela or, I mean, I don't know if it was that that was directly the effect on Vela, but I've never watched Carlos Vela play and like kind of forgotten that Carlos Vela was on the field. Um, and I think at one point, maybe when he came off, I was like, Oh yeah, Carlos Vela's like playing for LAFC tonight. Cause he was just absent the whole, the whole game. And I think it was, just, they were off all the way around. I think just you
1: can't have two players be that lazy, and whenever <laughs> that's probably true. Whenever Vela is on the field with all these other like really aggressive dynamic players, he can afford to just kind of float around. But whenever you have both of your wingers doing it, and I like you can't afford to do it that that way. And that's what happened over and over
0: again, and it hurt LaFC several times throughout this game. Yes, that that one made it four one and. There wasn't really a lot of action beyond that. Did Austin generate like a shot on target after their um I think maybe they maybe they have one shot on target after after that moment. It was just
1: Uh it looks like they yeah, one oh, it's that header from Juicy.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that which was 78.
1: Was excellent as well. That would have been amazing if that one went in. But I think it was another set piece and Juicy catches it like on the the near side. And it's like looping towards the back post and Crepo dives and does well to save it. But that would have been awesome if that one went in. Um Speaking of fight and Driussi, like that's the exact opposite of what we were seeing from, from Bale and Vela. There's a moment in the 37th minute Uh Driussi gets double teamed, loses a ball. He fights the guy that takes the ball. He then, presses every player that receives the ball all the way back across the field, pressures a guy, wins it back and kicks it off of him out of bounds. Austin gets the throw in is back going the other way. Drucy was good in this game, but he also was fighting for everything off of the ball as well. And so, so many moments where you'd see him track back or, or working really hard in the press as well. He just, he worked super hard. And I, I know if, if you give me the pick of those three players, you can say, you can take Vela, Bale, or Drewsi to build your team around. I think the other night made it very clear who
0: you should pick in that, in that situation. I think it's hard to argue that from what you've, from what we saw out of them on that night in the way that, and he just, he makes everybody around him better too, which I don't even think, even, even at their best, that necessarily you get that from the other two. Um, yeah. What, what a match. So we talked about, we talked a lot about Cascante who uh, was he on the MLS team of the week? I think he, yeah, he made the bench. Uh, the bench Diego
1: Fagundes the was the, was in the starting 11 and Josh Wolf was the coach of the week.
0: Yeah. So like they, it was a good match all the way around. So Cascante Lima did a great job shutting them down. Uh, Gabrielson, in addition to like wanting to want run through, run through walls for him after watching his video, uh, performance today from Austin FC like on the do you see that like him, the previous yeah, speech the, like and the, the half-time speech, recap yeah. pipe video yeah. yeah that was amazing so the whole back line was incredible and we talked about Nick Lima and John Gallagher had a solid match too
1: yeah Gallagher was great um I thought the Danny Pereira had a really good game as well uh was playing really smooth and confidently on the ball was doing really well in transition defense and um him and ring were doing really good to like kind of swarm guys after we lost the ball. Uh they were able to kind of compact that back line. And again, because you didn't have Baylor Vela really stretching the line for them, they could afford to kind of squeeze squeeze the area of play a little bit and which helped on shutting down those counterattacks. Uh but all the way around, offensively, defensively, Austin FC just played
0: really, really well in this game. Yeah, another so another's Diego status, I believe that he picked up his so I believe he has six goals and 12 assists on the year. And I was just looking at this. I think that that's the most goals plus assists he's had in his entire career in a single season already. Is it really? he's had a, yeah. So I've got him at 18 and it looks like in 2018, he had nine goals and eight assists 2013 he had 13 goals and no assists. But if you look at like the combination of the two with seven games to go, he's having his best offensive season in terms of goal contribution, like of a very strong career, man, that's,
1: that's awesome. Um, A couple of subs I wanted to talk about. So we saw Valencia come on for Pereira in the 70th minute. I thought Valencia was okay. Um, Maybe could have been a little bit faster in some defensive moments, but did a really good job of just like receiving the ball, turning, passing quickly, and just kind of keeping the ball moving. Uh, Felipe came in later. Wolf came in. Romagna came in and uh, leveled a dude pretty much right after he walked onto the field, which is great to see. Washington Caruso came on in 87th minute. Uh I thought Caruso was pretty poor uh in his limited time. It's granted you have to give him a break for not being in the game for very long and being able to build up some some rhythm, but um there's one moment where Gallagher has the ball a little bit higher like up past midfield and has some space in front of him so he just starts dribbling forward as the like a supporting attacking player, you either want to like make a run beyond to either stretch the line or give him an option there or overlap him, do something instead. Caruso just runs in a parallel line next to Gallagher for about 15 yards. And it's like, that's, it's not helpful. You have to be a bit more tactically aware than that. And so maybe we're seeing why Wolf didn't really trust
0: him to play a couple of weeks ago when he was available. Um, I mean, we're hoping to see some of uh, Rigoni. Didn't Josh Wolf mention that we should expect to see a little bit of him against Portland?
1: I think so. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the wording is, but he hinted that like he'll be available essentially, like which means I think he'll be on the bench.
0: This is just super minor, but given the way the the lineup was set up, uh, the way the game day roster was set up, I was a little bit surprised that Rucci didn't come off. Maybe at seventy or something, since since he ran around a lot, he was busy, scored two goals, um, and they had both Huson and. Um, GTA available. I just I was a little bit surprised he didn't he didn't get a break.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in the um the Portland preview here in a second to see like okay. what that means in these next games, but I think right now we should take a quick break, so we'll do that and we'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. All As always, we'll be doing a ticket giveaway thanks to Sage Wilson Property Group for the upcoming home game. To enter, go to MoontowerSoccer.com and click on free ticket giveaway in the top navigation bar and then click on or click on the link in the show notes
0: and fill out the form. Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Property Group. So if you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer
1: is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC.
0: FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding
1: your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. All right, we are back. Austin FC has two games this week. They're going to be playing Portland on Wednesday and then in Nashville on Saturday. So let's start off with the Portland Timbers. Jeremiah, you want to give us a little background here?
0: Yes, we'll, let's go over it fairly quickly. So they are sitting eighth in the West. They're one point behind LA Galaxy for the final playoff spot. Uh, they've scored 45 goals for and 45 goals against on the season. They did win their last match, um, but before that, they've been on a kind of a downward slide lost lost two and drew two. So they're not in super good form uh as of right now. Back in March we played in Portland and a Bill Tui Lomo goal was the only goal uh in a one nil victory over Austin. I guess, you know, the big thing is there's a lot of household names. Like if you look up and down the roster, there's Charas, there's uh Valer Valeri, right? Valerie's still there. Uh no he he left. It's uh Blanco is the Blanco, yeah. Adair- Asperia is there like there's a, lot, there's a lot of people you know but they just they're showing their age and they really haven't put it together on any um for any extended period of time all year.
1: Yeah, and so that was that
0: last game was the lowest scoring
1: game between Austin and Portland. Uh Austin won the first two meetings between those two 4-1 and 3-1. Portland then beat us 3-0 at the end of last season and then this uh most recent one this year is 1-0 but Uh, Talking about the players that they do have this year, they have several long-term injuries that have kind of been bad for them this season, but they are bringing back uh, Sebastian Blanco is now back and healthy. He's kind of been in and out of the the lineup all season. And then Eric Williamson, who I think he tore up his knee at the end of last year. Maybe I think it was the end of last year, but he's now back and playing. Um, Eric Williamson, for those who don't know, he's, was in contention for US national team before he his injury. It's a really dynamic midfielder. He's one of those guys that can receive the ball in midfield and then just like turns and goes and can just like push past people. And so as far as like ball progression goes, he's really good at that for for Portland. Um Nias Gota has been their main striker this season. He had a really slow start and in the middle of the season kind of hit a really hot run of form. I think he has nine goals now. He's now cooled off a little bit, not scoring in five, and they've actually played Aspria a little bit at striker. And I think uh, Blanco is kind of like a false nine at times as well. But um, as far as how uh, they're going to play against us, they generally play in like a 4 two, three, one, sit pretty deep, and try to break on a counterattack. Against Seattle the other night uh, on Friday, they played the same same day that we did. They played more of a back three and actually tried to press a little bit and keep the ball a little bit more. So I don't know that we would get that look from them while they're on the road. Uh, But who knows? I I would guess that they would likely sit back and counter, kind of go back to their roots there. Uh, If that is the case, I think Austin just needs to play their game. But try to maintain balance, Um, not get too stretched as they're going forward. If they do lose the ball, try to swarm like they did against LAFC because um, they they have some dangerous players that, that can hurt them. And then the last thing is, like, no stupid mistakes. Like, <laughs> just don't do anything stupid. Um, they Portland also, ha- they get a lot of cards. They are second in the league in yellow cards with 78 and tied for third in the league with reds with five. And so I would guess their playing style has a bit to do with this. Um, But I think that's another thing to watch out for is just like not let Austin get into a a yellow card off with them. (laughs) One more thing that I think we should keep an eye on is set pieces. So with the goal the other night, Austin FC is now... Uh, depending on which stats you use. So I'm looking at com. They have Austin FC and Nashville tied for the most goals from set pieces at 15. I heard Josh Wolf say that the way that they count them, that it's 19. Um, I think they're counting like second phase. And so like the Aruti's headed goal the other night, that probably would not be counted in who scored's numbers because they played in a ball, it got recycled, and then Lima dribbled it in and puts in another ball. I don't know that who scored counts that as a set piece, but Josh Wolf does because it's like recycled off of that same set and you still have all those numbers in the box. And so the way that Austin FC counts it, it's 19. Um, Either way, we scored more of those than most teams, almost every team except for Nashville. Uh, Portland has given up more set piece goals than almost anyone in the league They're, I think um, eighth worst in all of MLS as far as goals given up on set pieces. And so that could be a thing to look out for. Uh, that being said, Portland is also pretty good at scoring set piece goals. Uh, as we saw uh Tui Loma scored that one in the game earlier this year, I believe that was on a set piece. So uh, either way, I think it, it could be a thing to look out for on both sides.
0: Yeah, and one thing that has come up is uh, the idea that because it's a three game week is do we expect to see some squad rotation? And I feel go, sort of going back through the earlier parts of the season, I feel this is a little bit like the Atlanta match that was in the middle of two weekends. And on that one, we saw a bit of rotation. That was the only match that he didn't start. Hasn't started all year, although he did end up seeing action. It's like, what, what do you think about that? Do we see rotation? And would, would you wrote? Well, I guess there's two questions. Would you rotate, and do you think we will see rotation?
1: <laughs> that's the that's two different questions, right? I saw Kevin Morris tweeting about this earlier today. That, um, like he was posting what he would do, but also saying like I've been wrong pretty much every time I've tried to yeah. guess this stuff." And right, so right, right. I like Wolf has said he's been pretty honest. That like, if they have three days in between, then he doesn't feel like he needs to rotate most of the time. Uh, that being said. The last stretch of games seems like they've been really hard on guys like Aruti, Druci, Fagundes. and those are guys who often will go the whole game. And Aruti did go the whole game the other day. They pulled off uh, Driusi and Fagundes, I think around the 80th minute. Like had it been 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes earlier, you might say like, okay, that is the rotation. Uh that's the rest, and they're just gonna start on Wednesday. But it was a little bit later. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw maybe Husin start instead of Uruti just because he did go the full game. But as far as the others, like I wouldn't mind seeing Juicy rested just because I want him fit for the playoffs. Like I do want I want to win the supporter shield. That would be awesome. But
0: it doesn't really matter ultimately, right?
1: Yeah, it's still kind of a stretch. Like we need some stuff to break our way. And if we go for the supporter shield and get close or win it, but we lose one of our starting players long-term in the, in the meantime, like I don't know that that's worth it. So I honestly wouldn't mind seeing a little rotation, but I know that Josh Wolf puts a lot of faith into their sports science teams. And so I'd imagine they'll be talking to Dave Tinney a lot this week and his team and just checking the kind of the loads on the players and seeing like, okay, who, who seems tired, who needs a rest, who's ready to go because that's going to be important with as many games in as, in as few days as they have coming up.
0: Yeah. And they, he has seemed to have a real philosophy of like taking, um, taking the points today and not, not worrying about what that might lead to be in the future, as long as Dave Tenney and the group sort of think it's right. I just, I was looking at some numbers. So, Jerusi and Ring have both played every single match. Ring started every match, started 27 of 27. Jerusi started 26 of 27 to come off the bench once. They both played over 2,300 minutes. And I was surprised by who was third on the team in minutes. So, I don't know if you looked this up, but do you know who has the third most minutes on the club? So, I saw you put this in the notes here, and I intentionally didn't look up that stat because I wanted to guess. But I, I think
1: my guess would be Julio Cascante.
0: Yeah, it's, you're really close. It's actually his partner Ruben Gabrielson who has played in all 27 matches, started 25, and has 2221 minutes. And so he's got only 26 more minutes in Julio on the year, um, who That's actually missed a couple games. But like, it blew my mind. I did not expect to see him that high up.
1: That's really surprising to me. He's played in all 27. Yeah, I guess, I guess he came in as a. Did he come in as a sub in those first he, two games?
0: He came in as a sub. Yeah, early on and. Um, didn't get a ton of minutes in those matches but he's he has never sat a full match out which i was i was very surprised by it feels like wow he has to have been out of at least one
1: yeah i'd, I'd like didn't remember that he played in those because uh, kippy got the start in those first two blowout games but i think he did come on as a sub in both of them so
0: yeah so he, he played 25 minutes in the first match against cincinnati 36 in the second match against miami and then he's been almost almost every other match since yeah he started every other match since then the only one uh, the only one he didn't was the u.s open cup match against san antonio which he also played in
1: and then did ruben get ruben got a red card this season is that right Or it's not ruben julio did julio get a red card this year
0: is that why he's, that's because i know he missed two matches so that must have been it was he was did he get he get his red card yeah maybe so anyway that's surprising all right anything else on the portland game i think it's all a portland let's talk about nashville uh, one thing exciting about nashville is that we will be there so yes. along with i think they i think they sold 180 tickets officially in the the group and there are always other people who bought tickets on their own so it should be one of i believe this is right one of the five biggest traveling contingents uh, that the fans have had i think it's dc colorado nashville last year atlanta and nashville this year are the five biggest groups so it should be a fun crowd and we're gonna be roommates so i've never had to know this but do you snore Uh, Occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) Me me too, but only when I drink a lot, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to do. So like, like we should just plan (laughs) on that happening.
1: Yeah, so uh, this is either going to build the bond of our friendship even stronger, and we're going to come back and be even better podcasters than before, or we're going to hate each other and, and break up and start rival podcasts. <laughs> this is going to be it. This could be, this could be the very last episode of Moon Tower Soccer. <laughs> no, I'm excited about it, though, because like, I don't think listeners know this much. And when I talk to people out and about, they'll be like, oh, where's Jeremiah at? And it's like, honestly, we don't see each other in person very often. We mostly talk to each other over Zoom. And when we do see each other, it's like for half a second before or after a game. And that's kind of it. So I'm looking forward to like I, we're going on the same flight there, and then we're going to stay in the room together. So uh, I I'm not I'm not too worried about us not getting
0: along. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. It will be um, a lot of quality time. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Tell us a anybody bit else. About, the, oh yeah, I was, I was just going to say it. Any, yeah. Anybody else on the trip? Make sure say hi. Check us out. Feel free to buy us a beer. I'm sure that we'll be very much in need of those. I think there's like an open bar or something at the place that we're going to on Friday night. So that could be a recipe for disaster. I Expect me to sleep in on Saturday morning. <laughs> all
1: right. Uh, tell us a little bit
0: about Nashville's season so far. So Nashville is right now fifth in the West. They're in pretty good form. Uh, they've handily defeated both Vancouver and Dallas in their last two matches. So they they seem to be hitting on all cylinders at the right time. Uh, this is the first time we play this year. But then we, again, just like we did with... Uh, Sporting KC, there's a return leg in a couple weeks, so there's not a lot of time in between those games. Um, they have 41 goals for, 36 against this year. So, I mean, they're top half the league, I believe, in like goals allowed defensively, but they're not quite the shutdown team that they were last year. Uh, they seem to have seem to have leaked a few goals, but the offense definitely developed. And we've talked about him briefly already, but, you know, Honey Mukhtar has got to be the only competition that Sebastian Truce has right now. For MVP, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I Like, like, Reynoso might have a chance. I honestly think it's going to come down to, because if, if, I believe I'm right in this, that they choose this, like, towards the very end of the season, or like the week before MLS Cup. And so, I don't know if they're supposed to factor in playoffs into it, but they probably will. And so, I'd imagine if one of these teams goes on a big run, that that's probably going to be the guy who wins it. But Mukhtar is very good. And I think of the of the players in this conversation, I think Mukhtar is the most similar to Driussi, uh, where he's not like, I think with Reynoso and uh, Lucho Acosta and Cincinnati, they're both just like these silky smooth, like, just control the ball so well and just do really like stylish things on the ball. Um, Mukhtar and Drusi are a bit more, they have like a bit more power to their game for lack of a better word. And our finishers, their goal scorers as much as they are, or maybe more so than they are goal creators. And I think that's been like a strong point for Nashville this year, but the weak point is that he's kind of been the only guy on their team doing that. And so they've scored quite a few goals from set pieces recently, uh, which is a thing that we've seen teams kind of hang their hat on in the past. But if that's not like a consistent source of goals for your team and nobody else is on the the front line, um, I think Teal Bunbury's gotten a few lately. CJ Sapong really hasn't been scoring a lot lately. They did just get – what is his name? Jacob – Shaffelberg from Toronto yeah jacob shaffelberg they just got him from toronto and he seems to have provided a bit more of a spark in their attack i think he scored a goal recently uh randall leal has been in pretty good form lately as well so they do have some really talented players um looking at players available and kind of who's been uh, who's been playing lately they rested Zimmerman and Shaq Moore the other day. So Zimmerman is U.S. national team, uh, probably starting center back at this point. Shaq Moore is kind of a fringe national team guy that they got during this secondary transfer window from Spain and has been really good for them. So um, this they do have a game on Wednesday, but uh, they should be a little bit fresher than if they had played in all three games this week. So they gener- as far as tactics go, they generally play it a little safe. They don't like to throw a ton of numbers forward, um, which means that they're hard to counterattack against. They're hard to score against in general. Like you said, they, they are giving up more goals this year than they did for a lot of the season last year, but they're still like overall a,
0: an above-average defensive team. Yeah, I, I thought of another Honey Mukhtar fun fact that we haven't talked about, but uh, he is the captain for my MLS fantasy team because he was my captain in week one, and I have never looked at the lineup again since. So <laughs> I don't know what kind of year he's having. Hopefully, he's. I imagine he's doing really good for me, but everybody else is letting him, letting letting him down.
1: <laughs> we should uh, we should do an update on the Moon Tower Soccer Fantasy League sometime. We soon. should. I we think should I'm do that sometime in soon. Fourth place right now.
0: And then we need to update our uh f- our fantasy draft with Phil. There's we started a lot of things this year and then have moved on to other things. I think we're not very good about we're not very good about follow up. They are all planned for the idea of coming back at the end of the season and okay. recapping them. Gotcha. I knew, I know I know over under. I think we're gonna have Marcelo on to actually go through the over under with oh, us at the end fun. of the season. So I think he can, he can ask us and we'll. And we'll get there. I think I don't know what the over under on total goals for the season was, but I'm like 100 sure that we're over <laughs> on that one. Remember, because like wasn't Austin's goal 50? Yeah, Danny said it in one of their like hype videos that the goal is 50, and we're and like we're, maybe 59? they'll get there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. So as far as like who we're gonna see in this game against Nashville, it's hard to say because we haven't seen the Portland game yet. Um, but you would think on the road against a team that's in good form. Like if we're going to rotate players, it's going to probably going to be in this home game against Portland. I would guess, uh, could be entirely wrong, but you would think we're going to try to throw out the best 11 we can against Nashville, considering the form they're in playing on the road. And the fact that we still need to win some games if we want
0: to, um, compete for the supporter shield. Yeah, so right now we sit six back of LAFC, which... Oh, and um, Philadelphia is in the middle of that too, right? Which makes the Supporters' Shield itself even more complicated. Because I think they're... They're three points ahead
1: of us, but have played one game more than us, I believe. And And so, yeah. LAFC is now on the same amount of games as us, six points ahead. And so, as far... we, We didn't talk about this in the LA game part, but as far as what supporter shield supporter shield prospects look like it's possible after beating LAFC uh it's still we we still need LA to do us some favors right like more than a couple probably because yeah the way that the tiebreaker works the first tiebreaker i believe is games one which we have some like a gap to make up on that and so even if we make up the six point swing that we have right now, they would probably still get it on the tiebreaker, and so we'd honestly need a seven point swing at the minimum to to be able to get that. Also, we need to
0: stay ahead of Philadelphia, who's flying right now. yeah, they've been really strong, and they're just shutting people down on defense so but you know luckily, just in terms of the western Conference overall, so we're now seven points up on Minnesota United, so we're very solidly second place hosting a home playoff game. Um, with a little bit of wiggle room for this week, but you'd love to see if you know every every time you can stack up points, this is what you want to do. So you'd love to like pick up something against Portland and go with a full squad against Nashville. And I don't think when you look at like the teams who might play in the first round of the playoffs, like this is where it comes back to the Western Conference being tough. Like none of them look easy. It's not like, oh man, I sure hope we get Seattle or I sure hope we get Portland or I sure hope we get Nashville or whoever it might be. Like it's gonna be a challenge no matter what.
1: Yeah, and it really could be any of those teams too, just because the gap between those numbers is pretty small. And so if we stay in second, that, yeah, that seventh place spot could be any could be one the of the Galaxy six, it could six be, or seven teams. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Many of whom we've had trouble with. Right. Like I don't, I would never, I would not feel good about playing the LA Galaxy no matter what kind of form they were in in the first round of the playoffs, just sort of given our experience with them. Yeah. Same. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, anything else on the Nashville game, Jeremiah? No, let's. I'm just. I'm excited for this trip. We're we gonna We're going to eat hot chicken. I assume you got to eat hot chicken Absolutely. when you're in Nashville.
1: Absolutely, It'd be great.
0: All right. Before we finish up, we would like to remind you to rate,
1: review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at lvahero 87 and at jbentley underscore atx, and then at moontower on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, sign up for the Patreon. So this week we actually. Um, ask for input on what you want the game previews to look like so and we actually implemented some of that into this week's show so thanks for the folks who who gave us input on that we'll continue kind of tweaking that um any listeners if you have an idea of what you want to hear out of game previews this is a part of the show that i'm kind of looking to i don't know solidify a little bit and like just
0: we just want to make sure that you're getting the information out of it that you want to get out of it Yes, exactly yeah that's that's right we want to know that what we're talking about is what you care about and we only know that if we ask like we can't just assume that the knowledge or interest of of the listener in all the other clubs in the western uh, in the league
1: but yeah that that is the kind of um input we're asking for on the patreon so if you want to be our advisors as it were then uh go ahead and join that we'd also encourage you to visit the striker website where you can get 30% off with the code Moontower22 with a capital M. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for this week?
0: We touched on this, but Chris Bills had a, a good article on the differences between S- X-Goal and reality. Um, talked to some statistics experts in the field. So you can read more about that. And there's this, what was the concept? It's not X-Goals. It's uh, X-Place. X, X-Place. And uh, I think it was interesting. We didn't have time to get into it, but definitely like check that out and see if that helps unwrap the mystery of why Austin seems to be so dramatically overperforming our X-Goal in the season. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Soccer,
1: where we will review two games, both the Portland and Nashville matches, uh, and then we'll preview the upcoming Seattle match, and then cover any other Austin FC news that comes up. Until then, I'm Landon Cotto.
0: I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Thank for nothing, so you never. La gente... Oh my
1: God.